0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul podcast. It's your host, Chris. And before I introduce today's phenomenal guest, just real quick, real quick. If you're not yet, make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter at the Rewired Soul, just so you don't miss any updates, uh, new episodes coming out and all that kind of stuff. I know, I know that you're all subscribed or followed so you get notifications and all that, but just in case, Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul. Uh, but not only that, I love chatting with all of you. Like yesterday, I was getting bored with all the books I was reading, so I hit all of you up. Uh, I was like, hey, anybody got some good book recommendations for, like, books that have come out in 2022? And the amount of amazing books that you all recommended, oh, Oh, it just warmed my heart because I'm like trying to get into some new topics. I've been getting kind of bored of the topics I've been reading about. So it was really cool. So, yeah, make sure you're following me. Hook it up with some book recommendations. All right. Second thing, if you haven't yet, head over to Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds. Leave a rating. Leave a review for the Rewired Soul Podcast. It helps out a ton with the algorithms. And that way, other people can see what you like, what you don't like. I read them so I get some feedback. I try to switch things up. All that kind of good stuff so head over to apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review all right but anyways anyways today's guest is kai whiting all right and he uh just co-authored a book came out and it's called being better all right so there's a new book and it's about uh like it's not just about stoicism and you'll you'll hear us talk about this in this episode, because I've read plenty of books on stoicism. Um, some of you who follow me, uh, you know that I, I've mentioned that I think there's a lot of alignment with like stoic philosophy and like how I got sober in 12 step programs. Like there's a lot of like recognizing what you can and can't control and, you know, managing your, your emotions and how you react to situations because we don't have any control over situations, but we do have some ability for how we respond to these situations. So stoicism is awesome. But what I loved about Kai's book being better is that it took a route that a lot of stoic books don't which is about uh the virtues right living this virtuous life trying to do good trying to be better and one of the reasons i loved kai's book and i was like yo you gotta come on is because they they tackle this kind of thing that i've noticed that nobody talks about which is kind of like this what well kai calls it you'll hear in this episode this kind of like silicon valley stoicism right where where they, you see this with a lot of different like uh, philosophies or just lifestyles and things like that where people just they kind of take what they want from it and then just leave all the rest and in places like Silicon Valley like a lot of the like bro entrepreneurs they take this and they're like yeah this means like work hard and make like a bajillion dollars and all that right but there's more to stoicism so that's one of the reasons I loved Kai's book so we talk about this kind of like Uh, intertwining with stoicism and capitalism and entrepreneurship. But we also talk about, you know, what, what's the best way to live your life? How do you live a life that is, you know, doing right by the, the people on this planet earth. And it's not just about us. How do we think about the community you know what i mean so i really 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 loved having kyle he's a great guy and he's so insightful and i learned a ton just sitting there and talking with him and he's a super fun guy too so so yeah make sure you head down to the description follow kai over on twitter grab a copy of uh, the book being better that he co-authored with uh, his co-author's name is leo i cannot pronounce his last name but anyways i will link that down in the description make sure you grab yourself a copy it is a phenomenal phenomenal book all right but anyways without further ado here's my conversation with kai whiting about his new book being better All right. Hello, Kai. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? Thank you very much
1: for having me. I am very happy to be here. I'm excited. I, I like the, the the look in your eye of, let's get down into business and work out you know, <laughs> how to put some wrongs right and uh, and work together to make a, a world our world a better place, right? Yeah. So I'm yeah. really excited, Chris. So, yeah. I, I also really like the fact that you have chosen being better. Out uh, of your potential three hundred that you're going to read, um, it's such a privilege. thank you very much for having. Yeah, me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and for the audience, you sent me the book a while ago, and I've been so backed up because I get a bunch of review copies. But once I started the book, I'm like, I need to read this. Once I started it, I I binged it in like a day or two. So so for so before we dive into the book, for those uh, who are unfamiliar with you, your work, and all that, can you let us know a little bit about you, what you study, and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Yeah, excellent. So, I am Kai Whiting. I'm a researcher for Stoicism and sustainability at UC Louvain in Belgium. Um, really, the most thing I'm known for is adding a circle of concern, the environment, to Stoic philosophy and showing how Stoism can help us reconsider some aspects of environmental ethics. So, that's really what I'm most known for. Outside of of stoicism, I look at uh, resource management and how we use materials sustainably, because people talk about renewable energy all the time, for example, I'm like, okay, yes, we do need renewable energy, but what about the materials, for example, how do you get a solar panel from a mine, so people also think it's like clean energy, I'm like, well, the energy is clean, but the But the material was taken out of mine. They're like, what a wind turbine mine. I'm like, well, 80 meters of iron. Where do you think you got that from? Like, because it's made of steel, right? Yeah. So like, where'd you got that from? Oh, the mine. So I kind of highlight these things and teach things like critical thinking for engineers. So that's what I'm known for.
0: That's awesome, too. Like, right before we, we started recording, I was talking about, like, I'm really interested in moral philosophy. It's something I've learned about is, it. like, kind of these unintended consequences of everything. And we'll talk a little bit because I don't, meet, I don't eat meat either. We'll talk about that, that whole thing as well. But real quick, uh, I'm sure a lot of people in my audience are familiar with Stoicism. But if you had to give, like, just a brief summary of the philosophy of Stoicism, what, what is this whole thing about?
1: So, it's a virtual ethics framework where you improve yourself in order to make the community better.
0: That is my one-liner. Yeah, hey, no, that is say. that is perfect. I need to <laughs> I need to memorize that because I'm always like, well, it's kind of like improving yourself and dealing with things. But um, but yeah, uh, a lot of people, uh, like you know, myself, I was I was brought into stoicism through, like I mentioned before, uh, Ryan Holiday. He's a massive author and everything. And then I started to notice some things as I started learning more about stoicism, and that's one of the reasons I love your book because you talk a lot about you know, like the virtuous aspects of it so with with stoicism um like initially it was like kind of just self-help for me but in your book being better it's about like being being better being a better person so how how do we what are some things we should be considering as far as like living a virtuous life and and why does that why does that matter you know what i mean
1: so self-help is nothing people will say, "I oh, so you critique self-help as a critic and people frighten me. I'm like, no, it, it depends on why you're trying to help yourself. Right. So mm. in self-help typically, and it is quite masculine the way that it's framed, Right. And no one could say, oh, well, most help is really framed towards women. It's not the case. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the case. And so self-help looks at how do you become successful at work? How do you build a podcast that has a hundred thousand subscribers? How do you make more money? How do you, you know, how do you become more popular so you can do good things in the world? And the Stoics, I would say, okay, those things may be important, but none of them are anywhere near at all important compared to having a good character. So there's mm-hmm. no, you know, the Stoics are not like you should never earn any money. They're not like you should never save any money either. They're like what you use your money for matters. So people mm-hmm. often say, oh, so the Stoics, they will say it's an indifferent, right? So you doesn't, we don't need it. The Stoics are saying it's indifferent in the sense of our character. So I can use money to help people and I can use money in a way that makes me corrupt, right? So that okay. would be a negative effect on my character. So stoicism, if, it's, if it, we are gonna call it self-help, is how do I cultivate a character in order that I live a life worthy of being lived? Yeah. Anything else outside of that? And I always say, if people say to me, "Is such and such a book, stoic?" the question I always ask them, how do you control F, the word virtue? Because if you can't find the word virtue in it, it's not stoicism. What it is is somebody influenced by some stoic principles. But if it hasn't got virtue in it, it's really not stoicism because that is the only thing that matters. For Aristotle, it's it's the it's uh, one you know the highest good, but not the only good. And the stoics are like, yeah. no, really, it's the only good. The only thing that matters sufficiently for you to be able to live a life worthy being lived is cultivating a virtuous character. That's it. So if you read any book that claims to be stoic, and you can't find the word virtue, then you're going to be very disappointed because you're not going to find stoicism
0: there. Yeah, and that that's that's kind of what I started to realize. And you know, the main reason I wanted to have you on is because, uh, you know, I you know my my whole thing like I'm a recovering drug addict, and I like got really into mental health and everything. But something I started to notice with the self help movement is that it seems very individualistic. And that's something that uh, has come along with this kind of like capitalist world, uh, especially in like Western culture, right? And that, that's where I started to find issues with some of the mainstream stoicism. It seemed like it was very individualistic, like do what you can, here's how you thrive, succeed, make money, become successful. But I'm like, but what about doing right by the people in our lives, that- the the people in our communities and the the people in our world. So I, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit with that kind of like mainstream or I believe uh, you coined the term like kind of like that Silicon Valley stoicism. And uh, have you noticed that being adopted by like the entrepreneurial crowd a little bit more so? And what are they what are they kind of missing from the virtuous aspects of stoicism?
1: I think the best way to explain to you. And, and the audience in general, is to use the example of the cold shower. So people tend to think <laughs> these days that the cold shower is a very stoic thing to do. Now, the stoics clear on this. A cold shower has no effect on your character. Does it, if, you have a, if you have a cold shower, it doesn't make you a good person. If you have a cold shower, it doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a cold person. That's the yeah. only thing that a cold shower guarantees, a cold person. So they'll say this is about building discipline. And stoicism is about building aspects of discipline, but it's not discipline per se. Because they will ask the question, why, this is key, why are you having a cold shower to be disciplined? And they would say, how does that help your community? It doesn't. It just makes me disciplined. Then it's not stoicism because yeah. you have, when you help yourself, it's to help your community. It's, you have in Stoicism your local community and you have your cosmic community, which is the universal community of humankind. Leonidas and I, who's the co-author of Being Better, we argue also the entire earth. So if you tell me I'm having a cold shower because there's only so much warm water in this house and I want, I want Kai to have a warm shower, I'm willingly going to have a cold one so that he can have a hot one, that would be a Stoic discipline uh. because you're choosing to be disciplined in order that I have something, you know, of value to me, potentially, right? Yeah. That would be an example. If you said, oh, you know, by burning fossil fuels, we're contributing to climate breakdown, and I my shower requires that I burn fossil fuels, and I'm not going to burn them, that is therefore the discipline of having a cold shower, because you're doing it because you don't feel that you should, your shower should contribute to social environmental injustice if you're Mm. just standing in the cold shower so that certain parts of you shrivel then i really fail to see the stoicism in there because you there's no sense in in stoicism where you say i'm cultivating a good character there no you're just being disciplined but stoicism isn't just or merely discipline it's discipline for the sake of the cultivation of your good character or to approach a virtuous state eudaimonia and for the common good I cannot yeah. see the common good in any of the aspects of the cold shower advocated by Silicon Valley sto- uh, stoicism. So it's just yeah. an easy way to be, you know, to say that oh, I've done something, I'm improving as a human being without actually improving as a human being.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. It, it's something that I think about a lot, especially since getting sober, right? Because uh there was there was this idea when I first got sober and they they say it a lot too. It's like you have to get sober for yourself, you have to get sober for yourself. And I'm like, yes. To a certain extent, I have to do it for me, but I also have to do it for my son, for my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, my friends, and all these other things. So anyways, now that I'm coming up on 10 years sober, uh, I still take care of my mental health because if I I don't take care of me, I'm no good to other people, right? So that's where my kind of selfishness comes in because like, hey, I have to take time away from my son to go to a therapy session so I could be a better father to my son, In the broader sense, but anyways, what I'm getting at is that's where I saw this kind of like break break away from like the Stoic philosophy because like like you're saying, I'm like, well, how is that helping other people? Like, if you're disciplined, if you're waking up, like there's a huge uh, morning routine phenomenon (laughs) where I say the morning routine, yeah, Yeah. right, And, and they do this, they get up, they you know take the cold shower, they you know do some crunches and everything. I'm like, okay, but then you're going to your like job that is arguably making the world a little worse. So I don't know if I'm a fan of that. So my question is, um, uh, a long time ago, I had uh, Ronald uh, Purser on here. He wrote a book called McMindfulness, because mindfulness got really big. And it was kind of like similar, but we're seeing it with stoicism too. Why do you think? Why do you think people, like just your theory, are kind of picking and choosing what to pull from stoicism, right? Like the discipline aspect, but not the bigger picture helping the community aspect, like, it, is it, like, willful neglect? Is it just a, a reason, like, to say, like, oh, I'm into philosophy, but you're not really into this philosophy? You know what I mean? I'm wondering why people do that.
1: A few reasons. One, it's really difficult to actually try to be stoic mm-hmm. because you're not – having a cold shower, like, a really good friend of mine said, I dare you to have a cold shower. I'm like, I dare you to help the homeless. Like, <laughs> Right? yeah i'm sorry i can have a cold shower it doesn't it doesn't make me a better person but if i'm going to make if i'm going to stand there and be cold it's going to be standing there being cold handing out soup yeah so it's it's actually really difficult to cultivate a character where you are being a better person for yourself and for others and actually i'm really glad that you touched on this because in stoicism there's no such thing as selfishness it's either mm. appropriate or it's inappropriate so it's either virtue or well only the sage only the wisest person would be virtuous so for us if we're not sages it's only appropriate or inappropriate yeah. so what you're doing by giving yourself that space to help your son is appropriate
2: mm. it's not
1: selfish because you're not doing it just for you right because if you were doing mm-hmm. it only for you and to to and neglecting him that would be inappropriate for because you're his father and you have certain roles as his father and one of those roles of his father is to ensure that you never put a certain bottle around your lips again and if that way the the, one of the ways that you can ensure that or you know do everything you can to ensure that happens is to go to a certain location at a certain time on a Thursday, for example, that's appropriate. So selfishness doesn't exist, and altruism doesn't exist either because it's yeah. like I'm doing the right thing because you know I'm wealthy and I, I like to make myself and other people feel good. No, you should do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. why are people picking stoicism? Because it's Silicon Valley secret sauce or the aspects of stoicism that they like. It's like, yeah. hmm, I want to make money, I want to be successful, I want to get the good-looking boys or the good-looking girls or whatever they're into. What is there i missing all these famous people. What are they doing? They're getting up at five. They're having gold showers. It's stoicism.
2: Yeah, they
1: don't read like again. They're not control finding and looking at the web poetry. They're not looking at the academic text. They're not within really jumping in there and thinking what's the what really is stoicism. They're like my favorite wealthy human being says he's stoic or she's stoic. I want that. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I mean. It's completely contradictory compared to like Zeno, because Zeno's like, Zeno Citium, who is the founder of Stoism, is like, Do you believe that virtue is the only good? They're like, No, He's like, Okay, bye, go and see Aristotle, like Aristotle's um, group, because obviously Aristotle's not around at that point, but <laughs> go, 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 go and see them then. Do you think that, you know, pleasure, you know, the avoidance of pain is really important in your life? Yes. Go to the gardens of the Epicureans. Like Zeno was not sitting there going, I, I take everybody, I want everybody to listen to me. No, he said, I'm here in a public space so that those who want to listen can listen. It is not yeah. true that I don't think, for example, think that stoicism is necessarily for everybody. In theory, yeah. it can be. But if you're like, no, I really I like having my pleasure, and that's the most important thing to me. Stoicism isn't for you. The irony is that a lot of the Silicon Valley uh, adherents are kind of mixing Epicurean ideas, some aspects of them, not, not the core aspect, mm-hmm. and some life hacks and saying, and then labeling themselves Stoics because it makes them feel cool. When Stoicism is clear on like, status you, is not in your control and therefore has no bearing on your character, Mm-hmm. It's your chasing of chasing of status over everything else that has a bearing on your character. and that's the irony. Like they're actually doing the opposite. Am yeah. I against Silicon Valley stoicism? No, I just wish they didn't call it stoicism. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish they called it something else. I mean, we coined it Silicon Valley stoicism because it was just like, just keep saying I'm um, we're being stoic about it. But I, I actually, if I'm gonna blame anybody, it'd be things like uh the New York Times who keeps who keep promoting this form of tourism, keep putting the the bylines and having journalists talk to, you know, skimming sort of the, the cream of Silicon Valley and going, This is Stoicism, when it's really easy to to find Stoicism in, in the academic community and very easy to find Stoism in the in the sort of general public, which yeah. is in Silicon Valley. So it's like well, you're, the narrative doesn't fit, right? Because you want to talk about like the Manosphere and Silicon Valley, and then blame storism, which doesn't help because a little west tourism does mean certain things that are linked to that. Yeah, and so that's very difficult. But I think that's what you're picking up on. But I want to ask you, like, when when you read things from like you know uh, my co-authored book, did you suddenly think actually I don't mind <laughs> Or Did did it yeah, change your well, mind?
0: It's uh, see, I. I'm always, I'm no matter what I read or what I uh, consume, like, as far as like, you know, books or just ideas and stuff, I always try to be hypercritical of it. And whether it was 12 step programs, mindfulness or whatever, I've noticed certain people, I've noticed certain flaws or whatever. And then I'm like, there's got to be more, right? So for example, like with your book, I I see these things, because uh, it seems like things that, many people aren't talking about enough, right? So for example, uh, I'll forever love Ryan Holiday for introducing me to stoicism. But as I found like these kind of not best-selling books on stoicism, I'm like, wait, there seems to be more to this, right? So those are the things I pick up on. But I picked up on it, like I said, with 12-step meetings, with mindfulness, with everything, because I think a lot of times... A lot of times we find, like, when we latch onto a new idea or, or whatever it is, we find, like, one really, like, a, a certain point of view that are like, confirmation bias, right? It agrees with things that we already believe, and we have to go hunt for, like, more information, you know? So I'm always, I, I'm naturally skeptical, I guess, is what it is. So I'm always searching out more. So when I found your guys, when I started reading your guys' book, I was like, aha! I knew there was more and these guys are talking about it because sometimes you think you're crazy when nobody else is talking about it. You know what I mean?
1: I, I think I do. Be like being, I think it was funny because we didn't make many friends, obviously, in the Silicon Valley camp, although we had a policy of not mentioning anybody by name, right? Because we didn't want, you know, when this book was in some, you know, US library we, in 200 years time, we just didn't want to give anybody who, who had sort of swayed, people away from the virtue ethics of stories which is tourism any kind of credibility and though they're very popular now i don't think that is going to be the case when silicon valley eventually you know kills it <laughs> goes over yeah. the edge uh yeah. you know and i think at that point you say okay when people look back and say really what was contemporary tourism in the 21st century i don't think many people are going to be interested in in silicon valley tourism because they're going to recognize you know 200 years down the line that that really isn't important. And I think it's the principles that shine through. So, you know, it won't, I'm hoping it's not just, okay, Seneca wrote this and Marcus Ruiz wrote that. It's also, Marcus Ruiz wrote that and Seneca wrote that. And that was key in the 21st century to something that was worthy of being had as opposed to merely, merely a promotion. Again, there's nothing wrong with being a CEO of Silicon Valley person, if you, mm-hmm. But if you're going to say that you're stoicism, it would be really great if you actually yeah. use those principles to, as you know, in one of the chapters, highlight things like economic inequality and unjust economic inequality, because stoics are not against economic inequality per se, depends yeah. on why it's unequal, and do your best as a CEO to say, is it reasonable what's happening in my own company? I just wish yeah. that happened.
0: Yeah, like there's something that comes to mind, too, is like there's that saying, I think it was like a famous basketball coach or something. Anyway, it's like, like perfect practice makes perfect, right? Like, I'm big on like habit formation and, you know, all that stuff, too. But if you're practicing something wrong, you're going to develop bad habits. And that I guess that's my fear with stoicism. And you only seeing that kind of Silicon Valley side of it is it like if you think stoicism is all about managing your emotions. Taking cold showers, being a minimalist, or whatever it is, right? If you think that's all it is, you're developing a bad practice. You know what I mean? So we we no matter what it is that we're practicing, because I'm the type of person where when I find something, I lock in, I read everything I can on it. You know, so if I'm reading the wrong information, I'm going to be developing. Bad habits, So that's why I think it's it's good. Like books like yours, that developed this wrong point of view. And you guys, I think it, it might have been in the acknowledgements, but you bring up. Uh, I still need to read her book. Is it? Uh, who was it? Donna Zuckerberg? Yeah, was that? Yeah. So she wrote the book, uh, Not All Dead White Men. And I've been meaning to read that because when I learned about stoicism and started like finding stuff on Instagram and YouTube and stuff, I'm like, this seems like like is stoicism just like be the most masculine man You could be because that's kind of the idea that you get. So have you noticed that it, it, it kind of feeds into this like really masculine aspect? Like there's nothing wrong with like manly traits and stuff like that, but it can kind of fuel that kind of like you're a man and you're supposed to be tough and not have emotions and all that kind of stuff. That I guess that was one of my fears with so many young men picking up on stoicism.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say you and I are particularly feminine without you know our, our <laughs> short you know our, our short hair on top and our long beards, right? Yeah, well, a so I, weird I wouldn't too. say that we are particularly uh, feminine men at all. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you know having mask, ma- uh, you know, being masculine. I think stoics do. You know, it would be disingenuous for me to say that stoicism doesn't predominantly ap- uh, appeal and always has done to men. However, the problem is, is when you become so superficial because it is easier, then you do get the problems that Donald Zuckerberg was highlighting. So one of the reasons we wrote being bad was because no one was responding to her call, right? Mm. To her call to say, if people are going to stand underneath your banners, we have a few people standing underneath the banner. One of them is the Silicon Valley Stoics, but other than others are the Broics. So the, there's- <laughs> the, Broics. In the red, <laughs> Yeah, the Red Kill the red pill strikes. And no one was really highlighting this. And I actually got a phone call when I was interviewed by Vice, and they asked me my opinion on the Donna Zuckerberg situation. And I said, what I said, and they said, you're the first uh, contemporary, well, they were not not using this one, but basically you're the first person in the Stoke community, academic or otherwise that I have interviewed that has said something positive about Donna Zuckerberg's work. And that yeah. made me like, I was, I was from, I was momentarily like, Sad, like yeah. really, because she was highlighting that people are saying things like this, Chris. Um, women cannot be stoics because the word virtue is via in Latin, which means man, which is viral, really? for example. Unfortunately, for those wonderful intelligent individuals who understand that via is the Latin word, they have forgotten that the original word was a Greek word called arete. So "via" is a translation of arate, and arate means excellence. And the typical ancient example is that of a knife. An excellent knife, an arate knife, is one that cuts well because a, a knife is designed to cut. A pen that is an arate is one that writes well because a pen is designed, you know, designed to write. And a human being that is arate is one that is virtuous, i.e., one that is shows courage, justice, self-control, and wisdom. So the irony does does make me smile inside yeah. so yeah there was a lot of uh my colleagues and it is publicly they said this they said i was like a it was a storm in a teacup yeah. unfortunately you know from my perspective is like they were you know they were with me in that teacup they didn't stand there and get you know the froth over them <laughs> as, yeah as it sort of did what it did and Donna zuckerberg was in it and i was also in it because i was trying to show people this is not correct to scream abuse at women for trying to be uh stoic or yeah. being influenced by sex that was really disappointing yeah so that, like, that, i think it was dangerous really
0: yeah I, I didn't even realize that she got backlash for that like the idea that any philosophy at all would be limited to a certain <laughs> like to men or women or you know whatever like it's kind of like baffling you now know we to go me. Over that
1: after aristotle to be honest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just,
0: <laughs> so So, uh, yeah, something, you you know, this kind of goes back to uh, the appropriate versus inappropriate question, too, something I've been been meaning to ask, because the title of the book is Being Better, right? And so, like, uh, getting me getting sober, I've had to improve my life a lot, and I see things, and you know, I write write a lot, I write on Substack, I do this podcast, you know, I make content. So, something I struggle with is, I want to teach people about being better, right? But the only time I, I don't feel self-conscious about it is like if I'm teaching my son, like he's my kid, I'm going to teach him to be a good person. But I guess my question to you is, how do you write a book about being better with without that voice in your hand like, oh, oh, Kai, you think you're better than everybody? You think you're so virtuous? You think you have the right to teach people? How to? You know what I mean? So how do you do that? Because part of being virtuous is checking your motivations, you know, and all that. So so enlighten me on how, how we can do that and be an example and talk to people about being better without trying to, like, talk down to them. You know what I mean?
1: Well, first of the practical note, I have a really good set of, you know, beta readers. So one of them is my ex-girlfriend. So she'll tell me loads of times when I'm being trying to be too obnoxious <laughs> in <laughs> the draft. And she's like, oh, you know, who the." That- you know, do you think you are? And I ask her to do that. I'm like, if you think I'm being obnoxious, then you say it in very short language beginning with F-U. And like, sure, right? like, what the, you know? So firstly, you have, you know, you have to be careful. So we, we do have a team of beta readers from different disciplines. She's a sociologist, for example, which is really helpful when you've got these kind of issues that we're talking about. The other thing is that the strokes are very clear. Like, it depends on your role. So Chris, in your case, like, I would ask you, who has the monopoly? On writing about how one improves how one gets better who has the monopoly on that is it yeah. Bill Gates
2: yeah
1: <laughs> question mark yeah. so yeah, I don't I, think I, so yeah, right? I, I, yeah, I don't know and so if you don't add your voice whilst also recognizing that you know you're also improving then you're giving somebody else the ability to talk for you and that you know and they are no not necessarily better than you I, I don't feel you know when we wrote um, being, but I don't feel that I'm better than anybody else. I just feel that from a story perspective, it is a my role as an academic and 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 a writer. I don't, for example, we don't put Dr. Kai on it. We don't say PhD on it because I think that yeah. would be also that's virtue signaling from my point of view. Like mm. not everybody who does that is virtue signaling. But if I were to do that, I'd be tempted to be like, well. Of course, I know because I have a PhD. Right? Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to even even have that. So. Uh, that's also why we say like in chapter one we can't tell you what to do Chris like we don't like the saying it's not a stoic saying at all like you know put yourself in my shoes I mean that's completely useless your shoes are bigger than my feet you know so yeah. what's the point so when we try to do that what we're saying is I'm imagining myself being Chris without having any of the history and memories that Chris has in a situation and thinking about how Chris might react that is unhelpful I don't know why did I just why don't I just well to use a British expression? Bloody well ask you, like how you're feeling, yeah. and say, Chris, like what do you need? So it's, you know, Stoicism is about asking questions, not giving answers. So if anybody says to me, you think you know better than me, I'm like, no, I know better for me in my life. I I I know better for me personally than anybody yeah. else. I'm not playing yeah. the victim card because I'm not a victim, regardless of what situation I'm in. I know better for me than anybody else for me, but I don't know anything about what's better for you. All I can do is ask you questions. So you might say, you know, should I stay? Let's imagine you might say, uh, I don't know, should I stay with my girlfriend or not? And I'll go, well, do you like her? You're like, well, yes. She'll be well, that's a good sign. Is she the mother of your child? And you might say, yes okay does she does she help her around the house and you help her and you like doing that together yes do you play chess together i absolutely do does she help you read the 300 books yeah sometimes she asked me to like look at the notes and i talked about yes so do you think you should stay with her you'd be like yes it's not for me to tell you like what you should do right the yeah, only yeah. way that happens actually is you're absolutely right the in and the only people that you should really tell what to do in that in that sense about how to cultivate yeah. character is your children because they yeah. don't know. Asking your kids questions yeah. like, well, what do you think you should do? Or, well, I think I should eat ice cream. And your math homework, I think I should eat ice cream. Because then, they're, yeah. like, they're not, you know, up until, the stoic would say up until about uh, 14, you're not really, you don't really teach stoicism, actually. Yeah. Because you just teach them how to, you know, how to do, you know, the appropriate thing, but not in the sort of stoic sense. Not a true yeah. stoic sense. So I, d- I don't feel like telling, I'm telling people how to be better people i'm asking i feel like in being there we're asking them questions and highlighting some of their contradictions but like you'd have to tell me i don't know if we pulled yeah, no, that no no
0: i think i think you you guys did a, a great job and maybe it's because i'm self-conscious right because i you know I, i've worked in addiction treatment and i you know when i got sober i didn't want anybody telling me what to do but mm-hmm. uh for example 12-step programs they said hey these are just suggestions. Like, do whatever the hell you want with them, um, but I know I struggle with this a lot. Like, I wrote a Substack piece a few weeks ago about my son and just parenting, and that's where I get really nervous. Like, my son is awesome. I know all parents think their son's awesome, but my kid's pretty cool, right? But anyway, it's like you know, he's he's uh, he's a type of kid where without even telling him. He comes home, does his homework, and then he plays video games, right? He's kind and courteous. He manages his his emotions. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe we're doing something right, and maybe I can tell people what I'm doing because he seems like he's doing okay. You know, but I could see parents being like, oh, you're telling me how to parent my kid? And it's like, no, 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 no. here's what I do. Exactly. Maybe maybe it can work. Yeah, Yeah.
1: in that case, like, you know, even like Dino you know, City. He didn't give advice to people who didn't ask for it. So the only time that like, people ask me for advice, I ask them questions, and they might say to me, "I don't like that question." more well, then don't ask me. Don't ask me for advice because that's. <laughs> I always tell you, I'm not going to give you advice. I'm always going to tell you like questions that I would say. If, I know I might say if I were if I were in that situation, I would do this. But I'm not you. We're not. We don't have the same personality. Uh, we're not the same height, for example. We're yeah. not the same nationality. We're not the same sex. We're not the same. I don't know religion or whatever it is yeah so i can only tell you what i would do but you must take that with a pinch of salt because that's not necessarily helpful and in your case i think what you're doing is saying like you've exactly said i'm offering you information that i've gathered that seems to be working take it or leave it if they don't take it if from a straight perspective, that's not up to you anyway, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, It's not exactly. like you're forcing
1: them to read your sub stack. I mean, I wish I bet if you could force them, you would because you'd have more money in your bank account. So it's, yeah. it's not like you're <laughs> forcing them to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing that like I i think that if you and I are very careful about not calling ourselves gurus or not calling ourselves certain certain status, but saying, yes, I do know about socialism and I do know about that, you know about addiction. And of course, mm-hmm. I should come to you if I had, you know, if I had a friend of mine who had, who had an addiction, I wouldn't be the best person to go to because to. I'd be like, to be honest, mm. I have no idea. But let me ask somebody because the surgeon is also about finding who is the appropriate person to ask and yeah. to what extent do I listen to you, Chris? And to what extent do I then draw back? Right. Yeah. And the problem is, it's either like because of the way society is it's all about how I feel at the moment, oh, I feel offended and that yeah. trumps everything. I feel angry because you must have done something to, you, to me. I feel disappointed. But the, yeah. the Stokes are like, but it's your choice to feel angry. It's yeah. your choice to feel insulted. And it doesn't make like if somebody insults you, that's still true, right? They still insulted you, potentially, potentially, mm-hmm. that actually happened. That's on them. That cultivates yeah. what a bad character. But yeah. when you say, Oh, I can't help, you know, it's so unfair, Chris. I can't believe you gave me this advice. I tried it and you've ruined my kid. No, you tried it and something happened to your kid doesn't mean that your advice it might not be that your advice was bad it might yeah. be that they just didn't work with their kid
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and those, those are those are definitely the aspects of the you know like that that's kind of Silicon Valley stoicism but that that really did help me right where it's like realizing that I have a choice in how I feel right like I have a choice it's something I taught my son actually like speaking of kids I, I taught him at a young age like when he used to have like tantrums around you know, like younger. He's thirteen now, so like five, six, or whatever. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, just so you know, it's you're, you're choosing to be upset, or we can go have fun, and you know, whatever. And now that I'm an adult, it's like I I can choose to sit here and dwell, or to worry, you know, or I can choose to get into the solution and do things to tol- try to solve my problem. But yeah, something that's really helped me with my mental health and personal well being is just like this simple uh, idea that nobody can make me feel a certain way like nobody has that power over me and Unless it you does live. yeah it does feel like we're good like a lot of us we could talk about that now too like a lot of us when we're talking about you know the outrage uh that happens with conversations and everything we're giving people the power and saying like you're controlling how i feel and i don't know why we have this natural instinct to be willing to give up that power like i'm like no you can't make me feel any type of way that's that's my power so how 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 do we how do we uh work on this societal issue that we have right now where people want to limit what people are saying and doing and making everything comfortable and how do we take that power back and not let people feel make us feel a certain way you know really
1: good question absolutely fantastic question the irony of, of of this whole sort of blame culture is that they're they're saying they're rallying against the hierarchy tend because they tend to want to not always because people cancelled even if they work in supermarkets which is a very <laughs> dark side of it right they tend to rally against some sort of hierarchy right they seem and i'm like well you it's not that you have an issue with hierarchy although you're claiming that you are trying to subvert the hierarchy for reasons that you can be in power. And so if you have been traditionally a group without power, whether that be LGBT, whether that be in the English speaking uh, world in particularly in the US, but also slightly in the UK and in other places because of your ethnicity, yeah, the, the only way that you're going to break into that majority is to feed a narrative quite cleverly that you're a victim and that the majority should do something for you. Because if you believe you can't do anything because you're a minority because there's a faceless evil structure then you require other people to do things on your behalf it's not a stoic point of view and it's not what i believe but if i feel like this whole faceless structure this evil system and you know i've literally just written this paragraph in in book two the draft like the economic system is not a faceless evil structure it's decisions made by human beings poor decisions quite often (laughs) like the 2008 crisis it's not the faceless economic System cycle. So what's happened is that people are saying, "I can't, I can't do anything because I'm a minority. Nothing's in my control. It's the system. I am oppressed by the system. So all I, what I have to do is use, try to use the system." against itself so that I can come up and be on top of the system and therefore mm-hmm. it's fair because now all the people that were in the you know majority you know sort of white male straight person they're the terrible human being because they've had enough power for the for you know for yeah. the whole of history apparently so you, this is part of the issue that like you 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 it's like I'm not taking I'm not taking responsibility for what mm-hmm. I do because if I if I then go in and you know, try to oppress people it's not my responsibility it's not my fault yeah so if yeah. I say all straight white men are horrible human beings, oh, but I'm the victim, can't, I can't be held responsible for that, you see? Because if I take responsibility, I also have to take responsibility for the fact that I've just grouped a whole load of people in a way that, that I dislike the fact that they may have done it to me. Yeah. So this is also a very sort of dangerous way of thinking. I know it's not very popular to say, but I do yeah. say I have highlighted that historically, whilst... White men would have been in power in the US, for example, it was only a minority of white men that really benefited. Most white men died
2: mm, compared yeah.
1: to the amount of white men that, that took the money, took the resources, you know, tried to win the Vietnam War, tried yeah. to win any US imperialistic war, right? So yeah. again, it's like if you're fighting these identities and then not taking responsibility, you have to play the you have to play the victim card because it's the only yeah. card that you can play. Because the alternative is to take responsibility and and fight very hard to change the system for the better, rather than just change the system for your favor. Because stoicism is not about changing things to your favor, but changing things for the better for everyone. So this is Marcus Williams. He says, what cannot be good for the beehive cannot be good for the bee. So if I behave in a way that is really detrimental to you, I'm behaving in a poor way. Unless they're detrimental to you being unjust. Well, yes, of course. They're just being detrimental to you per se. then I can't really hide behind that. There's nothing in stories that allows me to hide behind the shield of injustice. And no victim card will do that for me.
0: Yeah. You know, something I've actually been thinking a lot about, especially reading your book and, you know, I've been reading a lot of books on philosophy lately, but uh, I've noticed the the similarities between stoicism and 12 step programs, like 12 step programs taught me to quit playing the victim. But like, no, you're making this choice. You did this, like, um, and all that. And And especially when we're talking about like the way we make choices that feed like this capitalist system that we all exactly. try to rally against, like whenever, like something that cracks me up is when I see like, a uh, hashtag boycott Amazon and stuff like that. I'm like, you guys, we're feeding into it. We, we, we prioritize convenience over everything else. And right. because they do next day delivery at good prices, we feed into that and we're making that choice. And I, I try to live by my own personal philosophy of not complaining about things unless I'm willing to make the sacrifices to change it. It's kind of like that cold shower thing, right? Like, am I going to take the cold shower or am I going to go feed the homeless in the, in the cold, right? Like, am I willing to do the harder thing? Like it's really easy to do the surface level difficult thing, but let me ask you this because there's a fine balance and I've noticed this working in addiction treatment um, and just with a lot of addicts, but I'll use my personal story. So uh, I, I had an alcoholic mom. Uh, She's been sober. She got sober, like, geez, like 20 years ago, right? Uh, Almost 20 years ago. But anyways, I had an alcoholic mom. It was a, terrible traumatizing childhood. And there was a lot that was not in my control as a child, right? But I became addicted to drugs, 18, 19 years old, right? And that lasted for almost a decade. And that's when I started making choices. But anyways, my question is is like, it feels like uh, there's this balance between, yes, sometimes you are a victim, but then you also have the choice to improve yourself and get help, right? Like mental health, for example, maybe I was born with uh, some genetic predisposition to depression or anxiety, but then I have to make the choice to go to therapy or to go to a doctor and get medications. You know what I mean? Because uh, as we're talking, I hear people saying like, oh, well now you're just blaming the victim. So how do you balance that? Because there are things that like, if somebody gets, uh, you know, beaten up in the street out of nowhere they get robbed or mugged they didn't have a too much control over that you know what i mean so like that like where do we find that balance between knowing what we can and can't control you know that's a
1: that's a really good question i'm glad you've done that because i could see the hate mail coming here already so yes (laughs) you can be a victim of assault of course you can be a victim of assault right so um the Stoics is also, you know, they're clear that we can be victim of, of circumstance in the sense that, for mm-hmm. example, I was born with a limp, so I could never be a waiter, because if I tried to be a waiter, all the glasses would go over to the left or to the right, so I could never do that. Right, we are all, all of us, are victim of circumstance, and some, you know, I am not one to say, like, for example, you know, everybody, everybody is a certain certain gender or certain uh ethnicity has it easier than anybody else. It's really, a, for Stoics, it's really case by case by case. It may be that the, you know, on at the aggregate is that you are more likely to succeed as a white man. And that on aggregate, we, that means we have to make decisions in society about whether that's reasonable or not.
2: Yeah. Right?
1: But that doesn't mean that one individual white man isn't a victim of, say, a disability in a wheelchair. He's a quadriplegic. Does he feel the ability to achieve all those things those Silicon Valley people are achieving? Yeah. The Majority are happen to be white. He's sitting there going, "I'm quadriplegic. I live with my mum. I haven't had, I've never had sexual relationships with with any person because I people don't tend to pick me, right? Yeah. So the Stoics the stakes are not blind, to that, and or should we. You know, Chris, you and I and the audience be to that. But the playing the card is saying, I'm going to walk around the world as a victim. So I'm a victim of circumstance. In my case, I was born with a limp, born three months premature, and I can make a decision. Am I gonna use that card to, to try open doors? Or am I going to navigate the world as I believe you are doing yourself and saying, yes, I was potentially a victim of circumstance right but that's not the card i'm going to use that's not the card i'm going to play i'm going yeah. to play a better quality card because that speaks to my character so i could turn around and say well you know you're ableist right because it really frustrates me for example when people say they talk about you know privilege and mm-hmm. they'll say it's because you're male it's because you're white i'm like do you know what the privilege is to be able to walk like with two legs that work that's a massive privilege in a society that if you're in a wheelchair try going down the street Try mm-hmm. driving a normal car. Try doing a lot of things like going to cinema is difficult. Going to a football, an American football match is difficult yeah. with the stadium, right? We don't talk about that because it's still one of those things that we don't, we don't sort of understand all the aspects of privilege. So, yes, I have a certain kind of cards. I have certain privilege cards and I have certain what you might call victim cards, right? Yeah. And I can make a decision like if I'm going to use these privilege cards, am I going to use it to help people to bring them up with me Or am I going to do it to push them down? You know, and I I think, you know, David Chappelle said it best when he said, I don't punch up or punch down because everyone's the same as me, right? So I'm not saying, as you're not saying either, that nobody is a victim of circumstance. Yes, of course, there are victims of circumstance, but is that the card you want to play? The danger of playing that card is if you happen to be a minority, When the majority gets tired of you playing that card, you're in a very precarious position. One, because you're a a minority, so you're now really stuck if things turn ugly. But even if they don't turn ugly. You haven't built the resilience. You haven't done the hard work that you did, Chris, to get yourself sober, to do it for yourself, to do it for your family, to make sacrifices of maybe you, in your life, you can never go to a certain bar again, right? And you have to say, I'm sorry, mate. I know I've known you for 25 years, but I can't go to that bar and you say I, you know i'm not going to play the victim i'm not going to say that everything that happened to me is because i used to drink right so yeah. i used to drink and a lot of things happen but they happened in stoicism they happened through me right nothing happens yeah. to you. so on. yeah i you know, uh,
0: yeah it's just yeah it's something i i try you know when i am you know trying to help others it's it's just taking back that 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 kind of control and knowing because i i don't like the idea of giving up that control like i'm i'm the victim and all these other things and you know we we have these decisions to make like for example uh uh, last year, I lost my job, no fault of my own that, you know, COVID caught up with the company and they downsized. I lost the job and, you know, and it's like, I had a choice to make, right. I could sit and wallow and all these other things, or I could, you know, uh, I, I focus on the podcast, other writing and all these other things, you know what I mean? Because some things happen completely out of our control, but in each of those moments, we did have a choice to make, you know, but it's, it's, it's harder to do the hard <laughs> it's harder to do those hard things you know but um with a little bit more of your time let's talk about one of the hardest things uh and i did it about four or five years ago which is giving up meat all right so let's circle back and talk about being virtuous and all that stuff so just a real quick story about me so obviously you know i'm a bit hefty and uh so my my girlfriend and one of my best friends both uh vegetarian and i uh Uh, I had a heart issue from um, my drug addiction. And, you know, my girlfriend and best friend, they were like, hey, why don't you try being vegetarian for a month? Right? I'm like, no, I, I love meat. I love meat so much. I could never do it. Right? I tried it for a month. I and I haven't gone back since just haven't eaten meat. That's just You know, even my son, my son goes back and forth between his mom's and my house, but my son and I, we cook vegetarian meals, we don't eat meat, anything like that. Now, I will admit, I'm not vegan, all right, but uh, as time went on, I started to learn about factory farming, how it's hurting the environment, and there's the whole idea of like, oh, well, if I don't eat meat, is that really helping or anything like that, but anyways, now there's more There's better reasons why I don't eat meat than just my own personal health. It's kind of like thinking about how meat, you know, hurts the environment and there's animals dying and the way they're treated and all that stuff. Anyways, anyways, how does your, you know, not eating meat, how does that align with stoicism, being virtuous, thinking about the bigger picture, because not eating meat is a hard thing when people think about it, but how can we think about it as a bigger kind of global impact and helping the world? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. So again, it's like, well, first of all, you have to think about it. It's like a cold shower as well. So is it you? Don't you know? You might be morally lucky because we talk about being, a, you know, a victim of circumstance. You can also be really lucky that you just don't like meat, right? So you're like, yes, I never <laughs> eat meat, but you, yeah. but you can't claim to be morally superior anyway because you just don't happen to like it, right? Like, yes, I'm better than everybody else just because I don't like it. So it depends on why you don't eat meat, right? It's not the eating meat or not eating meat that, that is a historic practice. It's why do you eat it or what type of meat do you eat? So we make the case that you know, if I was in a Pacific, I you know, specific island. And mm-hmm. the islanders are eating fish. Who am I to go around telling them, oh, you know, you shouldn't be eating that. They're like, but well, my whole you know, family has been eating fish for generations. We can't really grow uh, the crops that you're talking about. Yeah. I haven't a been in my life. So it's not that being like a blanket vegetarian, regardless of circumstance and context is it, it, stuck. It's just making the appropriate decision saying, where am I? So, for example, in my house, um, I don't have any meat products. Uh, we give the example I've given it before. If I'm at my mum's and she makes me beef on a Sunday uh, roast, I will eat it because yeah. I'm at her house. She's bought a big roast in a, a roast for everybody anyway, so I'm not me not eating it isn't actually going to stop her from buying it. And then she feels that she feels that like she's hurt. And she feels appreciated because when I said I was vegetarian, she thought that I didn't care it was because I didn't like her cooking and I didn't care about her. Yeah. And then she was really upset. She was really upset. I was like, but mom, listen, she's she just like very attentive at this point. I will only eat meat from the meat that you cook on a Sunday. This woman changed. Like, she was like, so like from like really sort of, sort of um, almost like feet all a position of being really upset to oh my gosh she goes straight out to the supermarket goes around all without me I wasn't even there goes all yeah. around goes looks at all the vegetarian things and comes back with all these bags and my dad's like well is he not gonna eat eat meat anymore and he's like no he's not he's vegetarian he only eats bite on sunday <laughs> and she and she became sort of very much more vegetarian herself and she just became more of an advocate of listening to people who want to be vegetarian and if i had turned turn around and been like f you mom i don't care that you gave birth to me and I, I don't care of all the things that you've done <laughs> for me and and i'm vegetarian and that's it and i'm sticking to that principle because it's my principle that would have actually caused a rift between my mum and I. And instead of then you have to think, would that response to my mum been appropriate? Would it have been reasonable? Mm. Would it have been just the answer is no? somebody says to me, but then you're you're encouraging them to eat more meat. I said, actually, if you have like a vegetarian taco Tuesday instead of know is a very American thing, we don't have it in the UK, but if I decided that yeah. Taco Tuesday instead it was vegetarian, then six people, if I was in my you know, my mum's family wouldn't eat meat. So we'd actually eat less. So that's why we don't have the utilitarian argument, because it's not very helpful. Yeah. But um the idea is like what is the moral thing to do i'm not in my house i'm not I'm, i've told you know, i've told my mom i'm not going to eat meat every day but there are certain situations where i know you spend hours and hours cooking and i know it's a family meal and it's part of the identity and always has been her mind to say under no, and under no circumstances whatsoever am i going to eat this beast so i probably eat beef once every year to be honest yeah. because she tends to he tends to buy uh, you know even christmas dinner i'll have a vegetarian option right um, yeah. so once a year sort of she'll say oh i've made this beef roast for you can you come and come and you know join us on the saturday she'll cook me a vegetarian meal but if it's a sunday yeah. it's very specific conditions and just that one morsel sort of meat. so it must be half the size of my palm right <laughs> that yeah. that just means that we have this connection that we would have lost
2: yeah. so stories
1: are like what is the most reasonable thing to do in these circumstances that said if you came yeah. to my house on the sunday i wouldn't cook a meat in my house
0: so, yeah. I think we can be. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, I, that's, yeah, I love how you, you, you worded that too, because it's something that I've found about because there's, there's people who are like hardcore vegans or vegetarians and they scream and yell at people and all these things. I'm like, is this really helping? Because a lot of people, they just dig their feet in and they'll just <laughs> throw meat at their face just to make the other person mad and stuff. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't run around and I don't want, when I go to other people's houses, I don't want them to, you know, work around me and be inconvenienced by it. And it's interesting because I was just, I just finished up this book on moral philosophy that brought it up and it actually made me realize, you know, like uh, for example, like you're talking about going to your mom's house, like, would it be ethical to have her waste the meat, which would mean that animals death was even more pointless. You know what I mean? So, you know, if she was going to buy it anyways and stuff like that, because, just for example, the other day, and this is literally the first time in years, and this is the first time I'm saying this publicly, but just last week, my girlfriend and I, we ordered a pizza, and it said like mushroom pizza or whatever. We're like, cool, and they had bacon on it. And I'm like, oh, no, we got it. And I was like, whatever. I'm just going to eat it. They already put it on, cooked it, you know, and that's like the first time I've really had meat me in a long time, but it made sense. Like, I'm like, I'm not just going to throw this pizza away or whatever, but I think you bring up a good point, too, it's not accessible to everyone either like certain people especially the the neighborhoods they live in or communities some places don't have as many vegetarian options so you can get the nutrients you need and all that stuff but um but yeah you know i i i i do try to live a, a better life just thinking about okay how how can I just do better for the world, whether it's recycling, cutting back on certain things, how much I drive or, you know, whatever, because I just want to be a little bit more virtuous, you know. Um, but, but yeah, kind. so before I let you go, uh, where where can people where can people find you? And uh, is the book out everywhere? Where can people get it? Is it only in the UK or Europe? Is it in America? Where can people get their hands on being better?
1: So you can find me at stokekai So that's the on Twitter, just Kai Whiting. Uh, that's how we connected. Twitter is probably my favourite because I think it's completely equal. It's the only system that I know is more or less. More, I know the blue ticks do make a difference, but it's more or less equal. Um, Being Better is available yeah everywhere that you can order a book. It's on. It is on. You know, ebook. It is on audio books. So the only thing that I tend to ask people is. Can you, you know, if you do like it, if you've read it can, or you're going to read it, can you order a copy in the library? Because people lost their job during COVID and you were Ooh. one of them. And I wouldn't, my heart breaks thinking that somebody wouldn't be able to read it because I couldn't afford it because
0: they had to make a yeah. choice.
1: So if you do like being better, could you just ask your local library for a copy so that people who can't afford it can get a copy? That would be wonderful or give away your copy you, there's no necessarily need to have you know being better on your shelf for the next 20 years and unless you're going to like look at it reference it a lot and uh, give it away because I think that you know, knowledge is important mm-hmm. and it's not about how many how many books you you own I think that's yeah. the thing I would say and if you yeah. don't like it well let me know email me and tell me why so yeah. <laughs> that would also be helpful because we're writing the draft of book two, so it's always good to get back the biggest complaint for example, was the book was too short after all she that is that your biggest complaint because that's oh yeah really the biggest
0: yeah we talked, we talked about that and and no like absolutely I, I love I like there are there are issues with books that are too short and they miss a lot of stuff but you you guys pack a lot of value in those pages so like perfect length is digestible so I'm a huge advocate for the book but you got to tell me what what's the uh without giving too much away what's the focus of the next book? So the
1: next book is about um using stoicism to improve our relationships. Because I think even with like the self-help movement, it doesn't, as you actually said yourself, it's all about how do I make myself a better person, which is what being better talks about, like how to make yourself better is the second bit of the chosen for a world worth living in and we thought the second bit really needs to talk about how we can build better relationships because we become better people by becoming better people to, you know towards others it's very rare i'm not going to say it's you know impossible but you become a better person in isolation right yeah. so that may happen you can probably do aspects of that but i would imagine that your son for example who sounds just like the kind of person i would like to meet has made you not only a better father but a better human being yeah uh, so my last question to you because i always like to end with a question is what advice do you think your son would give you
0: oh gee. oh wow wasn't even prepared for that uh, i i do not like my 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 son he he you know it just asked me like sometimes he does ask me like if if i think something's like the right thing to do and he always tells ask me to take others into consideration for example Uh, We've been cleaning out because we just recently moved like his old Legos and stuff like that. And we've been selling stuff on eBay and he's he doesn't care about like the money that he makes and stuff like that. So if somebody wants to buy it for cheaper, you know, so he takes others into consideration. So I think he would ask me, like, how would the other person feel if you did X, Y or Z, you know? So that is definitely one of the virtuous behaviors he has where he thinks of others, you know, and it's not too much. It's not too much where you like is a detriment to himself, you know what I mean, so yeah, so he's like he's it. molding into a nice little guy <laughs> so so yeah Kai, when that when that new book's ready, make sure you send me a review copy, and we'll get you back on here to talk about Sadly it
1: send will movie, Chris, send will movie.
0: All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kai and for, yeah, for all of you out there who are fans of stoicism and the stoic philosophy, I I hope this this kind of gave you some new aspects of stoicism uh, to think about. But, you know, for any of you who, you know, haven't been into stoicism, I hope this kind of like piqued your interest a little bit um because yeah yeah like i I, like i've said like my my start with uh learning about stoicism was when i was in a really really difficult time in my life when i was getting canceled by the internet back in 2019 i was just looking for you know just some sort of help a new way to like kind of look at the situation to reframe it so aside from like you know hours and hours and hours of therapy. I also, you know, found Stoicism as well as a lot of other different books that really helped me out a lot. So, so yeah, Stoicism is, is such a great philosophy and I'm so glad that Kai, you know, they wrote a book about, you know, a more like holistic type of Stoicism. That's not just focusing on like, Hey, don't have emotions. Hey, just deal with challenges and all that, but about living a virtuous life. So head down to the description, make sure to following Kai and grab a copy of their new book being better. All right. But yeah, before I let you go, quick reminder, make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter at the rewired soul. And if you could do me a quick favor, leave a rating and review over on Apple podcast, those two things help out a lot. It also helps if you share these episodes, share them on social media. If you enjoyed this conversation I had with Kai or any of the other awesome guests we have on share them out there on social media, uh, a few other things that you could do, one of them, uh, become a paid subscriber over on Substack. It's only $5 a month or $50 for the year. And you get all of the regular episodes like this one a day early. All right, so that's linked down in the description. You can also head over to TheRewiredSoul.com uh, if you wanted to get any of the books that I've written. I've written books on you know, mental health, uh, like Rewire Your Anger, Rewire Your Anxiety. I've also written about addiction, uh, recovery, and I also wrote about my experience being canceled. Those are all available at TheRewiredSoul.com. And then finally, finally, like I said, aside from reading books about stoicism, something that helped me out a ton was therapy. So if you're interested, in trying out therapy, if you want something affordable, check out the affiliate link down below for uh, BetterHelp Online Therapy. It's a service that I personally used uh, when I was being canceled and it saved my but all right, when you sign up, you work with a licensed therapist. It's super convenient. You can text, you can, you know, do a video call. You can do just regular call sessions. And if you don't like your therapist, it's super easy. You just click a little button, you switch therapists because having that awkward conversation is something that none of us like. So, <laughs> so better help makes it super easy. All right. So if you're interested in that. Head down to the description, check out that affiliate link for BetterHelp Online Therapy. All right, anyways, another huge, huge thanks to Kai for taking the time to come on the podcast. Make sure you follow him and check out his book. And yeah, for all of you, I might, I might, big might, I might have another episode for you this week. So stay tuned, all right? But if you're following me on social media, you won't miss it, okay? (laughs) So yeah, so stay tuned and have an amazing rest of your day and I'll see you next time.